Welcome to episode 67 of the RSA Resident and Student Podcast Series, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. RSA is an accessible collaborative organization that fosters innovation, education, and advocacy for residents and students in emergency medicine. In this episode, Brianna Beaver, a medical student at Western University of Health Sciences and the AAEM RSA Western Regional Representative, speaks with Dr. Megan Healy, an Associate Professor and Clinical Emergency Medicine Assistant Program Director at Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University, as well as the immediate AAEM at-large member of Board of Directors, Immediate AAEM RSA and YPS Board of Directors, and Chair for the new Social EM and Population Health Interest Group. Today, Ms. Beaver and Dr. Healy discuss pearls and pitfalls for new graduates. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the AAEM RSA podcast. My name is Brianna Beaver, and I am currently a member of the RSA Education Committee. We are honored to have Dr. Megan Healy here with us today. Dr. Healy completed her medical degree at Drexel University College of Medicine and then completed an emergency medicine residency at Temple University Hospital in Philadelphia. Dr. Healy is currently an associate professor in clinical emergency medicine for the Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University and an assistant program director for the Temple Emergency Medicine Residency Program. Dr. Healy also serves on the board of directors for the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Her clinical interests include angioedema and critical care. Dr. Healy, welcome. Thanks, so excited to be here. Today, we will be discussing the pearls and pitfalls for new graduates. Dr. Healy, why is this topic important to you? The residents that I work with over their time in training are hands down my favorite part of the job. I feel so invested in their education while they're with us and under our care, part of our family, as we say in my residency. But I'm also invested in getting them to a position post-residency that's a great fit for their skill set, a helpful job-finding pearl that I heard a few years ago is that your skills plus the mission of the place you're going are the two parts of the equation that lead to fit. I think the same applies for students who are applying into residency as well. Skills plus mission equals fit. So I'm invested in making sure that my residents find a home where they're going to be happy and successful and have long um, careers. And also with all the ways that our time is pulled upon after training, that they're making strategic choices that are going to help them advance and share their talents with the broader emergency medicine community. That's wonderful. Well, we're really excited to hear what you have to say today. What are some must-haves for recent graduates? So I think organizing is the most most key item to have uh, up front because the graduates that I work with, the residents who are coming out, have done lots of interesting projects along their time in residency. Having all of that data to show a potential employer is really key, and that means being organized throughout your residency, keeping it all in one set place, um, holding on to things like evaluations of electives that you might have helped to teach or a forum that you helped to plan, having that track record, being able to go back and find the things that you did and not miss that important contribution that you made that you can't remember because intern year seems like it was so long ago. So having everything housed in one place so that you can easily find it and then that helps you build the message 
that you're going to give to the potential employer about why you're the right pick for, for working at whatever place you're, you're hoping to go to. Absolutely. So you talked a lot about fit and how that helps with a potential employer. So do you have any tips for making a connection with your potential employer? Yeah, don't underestimate the importance of geography, especially if you're moving somewhere different than uh, where you trained to make sure that potential employer knows you have a link to that area. It's where you grew up. It's where your, your sister is living now. You're interested in it because you have a partner who is doing some type of work and that city specializes in that type of work. So making sure that that connection is very clear to the person that you're talking to who may not know you. The other thing to keep in mind is the emergency medicine world is small. Someone at your medical school, someone in your training program, in your residency, has a connection with the place that you might want to go, at least the geographic area, if not the specific hospital or medical school. So take advantage. Don't be afraid to ask. Remember that your faculty and your residency are behind you. They want you to end up somewhere where you're happy. And they know folks, even if they, they don't realize that they do. It's usually like a degree of separation, maybe. And they can make those calls for you in advance. Because it can really help to have that preview to the employer before you go out there, or even before you reach out with your materials by email to have someone place a well-timed call. I have Brianna. She's a great graduate coming out of our residency program. This is why you're going to want her at your shop. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. So another question we have for you are, what are some of the biggest mistakes and errors that you've seen on CVs? Sure. So first to keep in mind, the employer's perspective is there's usually a quick glance, 10-second review. So anything that looks disorganized or unprofessional, unfocused kind of work history, even think of what your like eye goes to in that quick glance. If the margins aren't aligned, those little things can already you know, turn off somebody who's giving it that quick glance. Definitely the themes of whether you're committed, especially in a particular area. You were very involved with medical student education. You were very involved with quality improvement initiatives. So those sort of themes help tell the story of who you are beyond a residency grad. We know that there's high standards for residency graduation and that the core content is the same. You've gotten your numbers of procedures. You've gone through the required ICU electives and everything. So that's taken as a given. You've completed that residency or you're due to complete that residency. But it's the other things that paint the picture of who you are as a person. So things that definitely stick out. If there's gaps in time, you have to account for them. And if you don't account for them in in the CV itself, that's something that you want to give a quick line to in that intro email that you're sending. Overemphasis on non-medical life. If there's, I, I screen for the medical school too, and we always like giggle a little bit if there's someone who lists like five activities prior to med school and there's like 500 hours of bodybuilding. Like that's not where you want the focus to be. Typos, uh, no photos I've heard. You still see some like strange things. And I think my personal kind of pet peeve when I'm looking at any type of application is the f- the bulk of the focus should be on that period that you were just in. So if you're a third or fourth year resident looking to apply to a job or a fellowship, what should be included in your materials are the things you've done in residency. And if there's very, very important roles that you held as, say, a medical student, you were the president of your class or you were gold humanism, 
those can briefly be mentioned, but you shouldn't be focusing on like the student orgs from medical school. You shouldn't be focusing on like the work experience or volunteering you did in medical school. Like they want what's most relevant, what's most time sensitive. Like what did you do in residency? So that's something that I always go back and forth with reviewing CVs of my own residents. And they're like, but it was really important to me that I was a lacrosse player. And it may have been, and if it was a big part of your life, ultimately it's your decision what what you want to put there but just know they're really the meat that they're looking for is what did you do in this prior kind of period same thing for you know residency applications if you're focusing on a lot of things from high school you're like pulling over it just sets off this like why are they telling me about this thing from four years ago does that mean they haven't done as much in recent years so something to be aware of absolutely and then in addition to the cv what are some traps that you have seen new graduates fall into maybe just related to applying to different programs or applying to different employers? I think the biggest traps are not taking advantage of those connections that already exist and getting someone who's going to be your advocate when you're looking to a specific, especially geographic area or an institution that's like your dream job. And secondly is not protecting your paperwork. Just make sure that there's malicious forces out there and there's a lot of valuable information especially in a cv things like your medical license your address your email you we're a profession that is targeted for things like identity theft and you just need to be you know careful about that and make sure that you're not sending this very valuable information to more than just those who need to know so at most places that's going to be the chair or the medical director at the institution and then they'll be able to pass that along to the folks who need it and, you know, as much as you can in that introduction email, you know, we all know short and sweet is better. Keep it focused. But, you know, highlight some of your, your attributes right up front. You know, I have a longstanding commitment to medical education, and I love the educational initiatives that are happening at your institution. Something like that that piques their interest more than just, here's my CV. Can I have a job? Wonderful. Well, thank you. That's definitely something that I don't think a lot of people think about. Protecting your information is not something I would have thought about in any way. So say you have this wonderful CV, you put it out there, you make connections, and you get your your job that you wanted, your dream job. So what can, in the first few years, what can you do to set yourself up for success in that program that you just got a job at? Mm -hmm. So knowing the promotion pathway at your institution, cold. So my experience is in academics, so I'll talk about it from that perspective, and then we can talk about how community really parallels that in a lot of ways. So at an academic institution, you have what's called a teaching portfolio that you develop over your career. They're often institution-specific, but there are some common elements. It includes things like your teaching philosophy, any curriculum development you are involved with, evaluations, your publications, scholarly projects, honors, and awards that you've received. So the purpose is for you to compile all of that because your role is not just in, is in clinical education and also in academics and research. That's always a balance of contributing to the field in both ways when you're at an academic institution. In the long term, it's what builds your brand paints the picture of who you are. It's going to be essential when you're going up for promotion that you have all of those materials in a central location and you're not like going back through your Google calendar from three years ago to try to remember the lectures that you've given. 
to put it together. So my tip there is have your folder where you dump all of those things. Even if it's just teaching portfolio and it doesn't have great organization, you know, every time you get an eval from a student or a resident, even written thank you notes that come to you, which do along the pathway if you're involved with, say, interviewing or helping with an elective mentoring, scan them in and have them easily accessible just so you know where they're they're housed. Every institution is different in terms of the currency at the place. So where I work at Temple, for example, there's a clinical educator pathway and a clinical scholar pathway. The scholar pathway is meant for folks who are very research-driven, grant-funded. That is the currency for promotion. And there's also this education pathway where what's rewarded is your involvement in resident and medical student education, your developing of new curriculum, the teaching and your teaching evaluations that you get, both in the emergency department and in the classroom setting. So no, every institution will have, you know, what's required to go from assistant to associate professor. I just went through this in the past year. So that's not something you want to think about a year before you go up for promotion. That's going to be something you want to think about maybe after boards. <laughs> Pass your written and oral boards and then start thinking about it. Because I'd say the initial priority right out of residency is pass the boards, pass the boards, take good care of your patients. But beyond that, when you're thinking in the long term, have the promotion pathway um, in mind. And it'll say really specific things like that are required, like has developed a regional reputation in a area of education. So that means they want you to go to other local medical schools and programs and be giving talks. And that's not the kind of thing you can catch up with, you know, a year before you're going to go up for promotion. That's the kind of stuff you have to be doing a talk every year. Just have it on your checklist. So I think those are those are the, the key items there. There's always going to be some sort of lead in your department that that knows more about the process than you do. So seek out that person's advice early and often. Give them your CV and say, where are my holes? What things should I work on for the next year so I know that I'm set up for success in the end? If you're somewhere with a really good advising setup, they'll reach out to you, but that's not going to happen everywhere. You might have to be be doing some of the, the pulling of that information. Thank you. So I know that you mentioned that your experience is in academics. Mm -hmm. So can you just touch on a little bit, is the teaching portfolio used outside of the academic setting? And maybe how does a community or county, you know, how do they go through those processes? Oh, yeah. So this is, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's so important to have this type of of document, no matter what setting you end up working in, because there are leadership opportunities, no matter what type of setting you're in. Maybe operations and administration is what really drives you. You want to be the, um, the medical director at this high-volume institution. Maybe they don't have residents or med students, though more and more places we're seeing now have some sort of teaching that's happening, whether it's rotating medical students, it's EMS or PA students that are coming through, you can reach out. There was a group from Temple that did a, a series for the dental students down the, down the street because uh, there was a need there. So teaching is happening in some way. This is emergency medicine. It's what we do. So having documented which types of activities you've been involved in, even if it's just on-shift teaching and you're getting some feedback there, or you maybe developed a series and went out to the local ambulance companies and did some education about 
uh, around pre-hospital topics because you want to be um, uh, an EMS medical director for, for your city. In the same way, you have to you know, build that brand, have all the data to support what you've been doing that's going to help you to reach your goals. And you never know, people often switch from one type of a setting to another. We've had super successful faculty who have come from the community setting and brought that perspective back to the residency. And I'm sure when they interviewed, they were asked, what sort of teaching have you been doing in the community? And the other way around too, suddenly you're moving out of the academic world. You decide that, you know, for any number of different reasons that you want to take a different trajectory with your career path, you have to make it apply to to what that new job needs from you and also what your goals are going to be there. So do this no matter what setting you're in. This is not like an academics only kind of um, task. Thank you so much for sharing that knowledge with us. I would love to end with just maybe some of your top tips for new grads. Sure. So I love taking the things that were hard lessons for me and trying to keep others from falling into the same traps. So I'd say one thing that isn't always emphasized in residency is some of the professional development. You're so focused on being clinically strong and being involved with education, technology, whatever it might be. So it actually wasn't until after residency I went to um, the AAMC has some great meetings that are really like professional development focused. And I heard things that would have been so helpful to know even like a year or two before. So I'll try to, to share a few of those with you. Common kind of traps I see new grads fall into is the automatic yes lots of people are going to approach you with great opportunities and they're going to be very good at selling to you why this is going to be beneficial to you and there are so many projects that you can learn from and you can learn from getting involved with something that ultimately isn't a good fit but just be careful about overextending yourself whatever you commit to you want to do that well because they will remember where you dropped the ball no one is going to give you a hard time for saying, you know what, I'm really focusing right now on this one education curriculum development project that's important to me. I don't think I can give you the time, that, the time and attention that it deserves. So knowing what feels right for you and making sure you don't commit to something just because you really like the person that's asking you and they're doing a good job of telling you why they think it's important for you, know yourself. You don't want to dabble all over and not complete something concrete you know always be thinking about at the end of the day what's the final product what's the deliverable that I have that I can put on a CV going forward that's going to help me kind of get to that next level other great things to remember you know Dr. Rogers who was a former president of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine who sadly we lost not too long ago gave some great advice at a lecture that I went to here just a few years back, um, and he said to write a mission statement. That's going to be your driving force to reflect back on when you're trying to decide where are my priorities, where do I want to spend my time, what's your mission statement. And you may have one for your kind of larger life, but you should certainly have one for your life in emergency medicine because it'll help you make those hard choices. He also said that when something comes on, something comes off. So realize that you may have to do some of that shuffling to take on something new that's important to you. And finally, I'd say don't wait to get invited to the party. If there's something you're excited about, show up to the meeting or ask if you can come to the meeting. You know, join that committee. 
folks don't always know what your number one interest is. And unless you kind of put yourself out there, they may not ever figure out that you are really passionate about that particular area. So, you know, don't wait for the invitation, show up, volunteer to do something and do it really well. And they're going to remember that for the next time. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those pearls and pitfalls with us. I think that a lot of people will be able to be successful after listening to this. So thank you so much. Sure thing. Great talking to you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. For more information about AEM RSA, visit the website at www.aaemrsa.org. Listen to all podcasts in this series and explore the ways you can get involved with RSA. Join us again next episode for another topic of importance for emergency medicine residents and students.